Okay, we're in Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, we're gonna pick it up on day four. Um, if you didn't get a set of notes on the way in, just raise your hand, somebody will get you a copy. You can get digital versions of the PDF on the social links and on our website. But while we're getting our Bibles out and we're getting our notes together, I'm gonna just pray for God's blessing uh, over our time in his word, all right? Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, we need you. God, you, you gave us your word because you didn't want to leave us guessing. Uh, you wrote it down for us. You made sure that we had it. Uh, what a privilege in our language and, and we can read and then run. We can read and then, and then, Lord, we can be conformed. We can read and we can receive and, and it changes us. And so, Lord, we ask that we just behold the majesty and the wonder of who you are that we'd be in awe of you as a great creator. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, for the word that formed the world. <laughs> uh, you're beyond our imagination, and so thank you for giving us this information. Lord, uh, I'm a man of stumbling lips, and, and I'm just good enough to confuse everybody, and so we do ask that your word would have its way and that, Lord, your spirit would give us understanding. And then, God, please change our lives for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter one, verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Again, creation is obeying the commandments of the Lord. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning or the fourth day. And so what we're seeing here, and this is your first point for study in your notes, is this. We're seeing the creation of the cosmos. Okay, it's the creation of the universe. And where does God put it? Okay, where does he place these lights in the firmament of the heaven? Right, it's the lights in the firmament of the heaven. Well, we read about that firmament of the heaven in verses six through eight. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. So you'll remember Genesis chapter one, verse one, creation. Genesis chapter one, verse two, between one and two, we place the fall of Satan right there. That harmonizes all of our cross-references. Jeremiah four makes sense now. Isaiah 45, 18 makes sense. And so we place the fall of Satan right there. So one, two is cataclysm. And then God begins restoration. So the earth is plunged in this, these waters of the deep and now there's a separation of those waters in verse six. Let there be a firmament, a division in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so, God called the firmament, verse eight, heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So on the second day, God makes a great space, and here on day four, he puts the universe in it. So this is not the heaven of Earth's atmosphere, but the heaven of the firmament, okay? This is the, the, the firmament that he names heaven. We saw then that there are actually multiple heavens described in your Bible. We're living in the, which heaven? Earth. We're in the first heaven, right? Earth, this atmosphere. Uh, it's the, the first heaven is where we walk and the birds fly and okay, so the second heaven though, that's where God places the cosmos and that's what we'll see today. And then the third heaven, uh, Van made me a, a picture so that you wouldn't have to endure my doodling. Um, Mount Zion, right, the throne of God, Mount Zion, the sides of the north, that is above this great body of water called the deep. The face of it is frozen. It's called the crystal sea or a sea of glass. Okay, so at the top of the universe, 
uh, the deep and then beyond the deep, the throne of God, and then at the bottom of the universe, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. So planet Earth, and so God is separating the waters from the waters, okay? And then in that firmament, in that beaten out expanse, there is a place to put the universe. So there goes your snow globe theory. And we saw then on day three this resurrection picture. Remember, life appears on day three, so in in one, two, we saw a death, right, a burial, and then in verse nine, we saw resurrection, and remember what we saw last week, right? Death, burial, resurrection, that's always followed by new life. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature, okay? You are, according to Romans six, in terms of who you are in your old man, in your flesh, you are crucified with Christ, death, Right, You are buried with Christ, but you are also risen with Christ. And just like we saw our sisters get baptized this morning, um, that baptism pictures, right? it identifies the believer with the death, the burial, the resurrection. And so we say, this is why we say what we say. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right, Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his glorious resurrection to walk in newness of life. Why, because that's the picture. It's not just death, burial, resurrection, it's death, burial, resurrection, living the life that God intended for you to live, right? Life always follows resurrection. And so that's what we saw uh, in, in, in that picture on day three. Now, on day four, we're led to look up. That's your next blank. We need to look up, why? Well, we'll just keep going with the picture. Ascension always follows resurrection. And that's exactly how it works for you and I as believers. If we have new life in Christ, then we're to look up, and the Bible tells us to do it. Jesus first explains why in John chapter 14 and verse one. He's encouraging the disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. It's a big, big house with a big, big yard where we can play football. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas has a question, now how can we know the way? And Jesus says, hello, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay, so Christ has gone, we know by comparing scripture with scripture, that right now he is at the right hand of the Father. Our life is hid in Christ, right? Our life is hid in God, we are seated in heavenly places in the person of Christ. He is our life, and that's why Colossians chapter three tells you to look up. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, death, burial, your life is hid with Christ in God, resurrection. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. This is why you know, Hebrews 12 says, we're looking unto Jesus. Lift up your eyes. From whence cometh your help? Well, it's coming from the hills, man. Look up. Christ is our victory, amen? So we are, you know, ascension follows resurrection, and so I, our focus is not you know, if your focus is on how life is going for you in this world, well, you're already told as a believer that in the world you would have trouble. So you're gonna, you're gonna let that ruin your life. You're gonna go through life with a ruined life because you're focused on all of the trouble. Man, we are in the person of the deliverer, amen? Now, we either believe that or we don't. And how we live our lives as believers reflects that. Do you have faith that your life is hid in Christ and God? Is that the reality of who you are. Christ is our life. So look unto Jesus, lift up your eyes. 
Christ is your help. Okay, now notice this. This is what's always interesting. Uh, the plants were made on day three. Okay, God, when did God make the radish? Day three. That's when the plants were made, day three. So what do plants need? Well, they need sunshine. They need the sun, the moon, and the stars. That, that regulates the seasons. That's what plants need. And so, and so that comes on day four. Okay, that's just awesome to me. I mean, would man have made a universe in order to supply the needs of a radish? I mean, that's, uh, what does a radish need? Well, they need times and seasons. They need daytime, nighttime. Uh, a radish needs sunlight. That's what a radish needs. You know what? I'm gonna make a universe. For a ra- now, we can take advantage of it too. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that's just, that's just it, man doesn't think that way. We would have built the light source first, and then we would have built the plant life, and well, that's not how God did it. Okay, now the focus in this passage are two great lights. You know, verse 14, let there be lights in the firmament. They divide day from night. They're for signs, seasons, days, and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament. So he makes two great lights, verse 16. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. So two great lights have a twofold function. That's your first blank there. And the first function of these two great lights is to keep time. This is how we tell time. But they also, in telling time, divide the day from the night. And again, don't miss the picture there. God is all about division. Let's separate the good from the evil. Darkness from light. Good versus evil. Day versus night. God's kingdom versus Satan's kingdom. Evil versus righteousness. Light versus darkness, okay? So we've looked at that concept several times now, but let me give you another cross-reference for it, Ephesians 5.11. As believers, as children of the light, we're commanded to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Hey, that's night, that's darkness, that is evil, that is part of the satanic kingdom. Rather reprove them. Verse 12, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest, the Bible says, by the light. For whatsoever, uh, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. You can't see a thing for what it actually is without a light source, can you? That's why Pastor Mata stubs his toe on his coffee table in the night. He posted a picture on that this week. Well, he posted a reenactment because the lights were on. And if you stub your toe in the light, well, that's entirely your fault. At night, you can at least blame the, the coffee table. So the light reveals the problem, doesn't it? You don't know there's a problem, but what the light is shining. This is why John chapter three says, you know, the reason people don't come to the light is they already know <laughs> their deeds are evil. And so if you come to the light, they're gonna be reproved. And because I don't wanna live the life that God has declared over me, I'm gonna stay in the dark. Isn't it interesting that men and women, what do we do? Whenever we're rebelling against God, we hide in the dark, don't we? Uh, that we, we don't come to the light that our deeds might be made manifest. Whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, here's the solution, awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. God's promise to his children is that he's gonna give you the light that you need to walk the walk that he has ordained for you, to live the life that he's called you to. Do we believe that with God all things are possible? Oh, but I can't quit drinking. I can't quit lying, I can't quit cheating. Yes, you can. Stay in the light, let the light of God, let the light of God's word reveal that thing for what it is. Walk in the word, right? Call on the Lord for the power of his Holy Spirit to make what his word says over your life a reality. Get accountable with the children, we're gonna see this in a minute, the children of light, the sons of God. Get accountable to walk in light with them. God will transform your life. He'll conform you to the image of Christ. It's amazing how God can take a a, a dumb, selfish, self-focused little hillbilly out of southwest Missouri and uh, completely transform his life. I'm not, I've not arrived, I'm not walking in sinless perfection, but the amazing thing that God's done for me is he's completely reset my want to. My want to isn't set to live in my life in the dark anymore. 
Uh, I, I like the light. I love the light. I love every representation of it. You know, in a lot of churches, um, and I'm not saying this to con- criticize anything, okay? Uh, people have to follow the Lord, and um, you know, they, have to, they have to make decisions, and they have to do what they think they ought to do, but, but if you'll notice, when we worship here at MBT, the lights are full up, full on. We don't worship in the dark, and there's a picture there, God is light, um, so, you know, if, if, if we turn the house lights down and we just had the stage all lit up, I'm not saying that that's sin or even evil, it's just um, I don't like the picture. And as members of the choir, I'm looking at the choir, at MB- well, the choir sang this morning, yes, it did, okay? And we don't want to ever fall in the trap of being spectators, watching the pros, do their thing before the Lord. In other words, the focus isn't on who is on the stage. They're on the stage leading us to get our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And so um, there's just something about it. When you turn the lights out, people retreat. And it's just, I think, human nature. They, they take a step back. Uh, now let's turn the lights on. You're in the choir. Let's get our focus together on the Lord Jesus Christ. The other thing that these lights do is they mark signs and seasons, okay? Now, with those signs and seasons, God is telling, uh, he is telling, he is showing his majesty. He's, he's showing us his handiwork. And the Bible tells us this, that God shows his handiwork in the heavens. The heavens declare who he is and what he's doing. And by the way, you ought to recognize the times and the seasons. Uh, you are to get the knowledge and the insight from God's creation that God intended for you to get. In Romans chapter one, the Bible tells us that God's wrath, God's judgment over sin is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And nobody can say, well I didn't know because verse 19 says, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Well, how? For, well, verse 20, the invisible things of God, of him, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So if you can see the things that God made, then you can understand his eternal power and Godhead, and you have no excuse, verse 20. So creation should be pointing you to the person of God, but, and we already saw this, um, I think, uh, I forget which day we saw this on, but, but, but Psalm 19, the creation of God should always point you to the word of God, and, and we looked at that picture, so let's review that very quickly. Psalm 19, verse one, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, that's what we saw in Romans one. Creation declares his eternal power and Godhead. Nobody has excuse. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter the speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. If you can see it, you can hear what they're saying. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he hath set a tabernacle for the sun. So there it is, in that firmament, God makes these two great lights. He makes the stars also. He makes this tabernacle, this dwelling for the sun. Well, what's that supposed to teach us? Which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. That sun, if you can get what it's doing, it's picturing the person and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he doing? He is coming out and with the coming of the sun comes life. That radish can't make it without sunshine, can it? Uh, our life is dependent upon the shining of the sun, and, and we've run our cross-references on this already. Malachi chapter four, one of the names for the Lord Jesus Christ is the S-U-N, capital S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness. That's one of Jesus' names, so you can't miss the cross-references. You can't miss the picture in Psalm 19. He's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and a circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Our God is a consuming fire, amen? 
isn't he? He is a consuming fire and nothing escapes his gaze. Nothing, you can't, I mean, you're hiding in the dark. He still sees you. And so when you look at the heavens, okay, God, I see your majesty. I see your power. What now? Well, again, creation teaches you. It points you to your need of God's word. If you can see what the heavens are declaring, what the Bible says they're declaring is this. Get a Bible. Learn it. Study it. Make it part of your life. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That's what we need. We need the word of God to convert us. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. You see, the power of, the, of creation, the, 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 the majesty of the universe, and that should drive you to a place of admiration and dependence and submission to the poetry of God's word. It's beautiful. First Thessalonians 5 tells us of the times and the seasons, brethren, I have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction, sudden destruction, I can't say it, destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. We're living in the last of the last days. And just like you can see the heavens and they're declaring the glory of God, spiritually, you're to be alert, you're to be aware of the times and the seasons, and we'll wrap up looking at that again. Uh, Let me give you an example, okay? How did the wise men know to show up when Jesus was born? How'd they know? I mean, they come from the east, these Persian dignitaries came from the east, they roll into Jerusalem, King Herod, um, ends up needing another robe. Okay, this is a panic moment. <laughs> Where's this promised Messiah? Um, what They'd been looking at the sky, hadn't they? And they saw the evidence for the first coming of Christ. Well, how'd they know? How'd they know how to read the sky like that? Well, this is not in your Bible, but this is historical legend, and the, and the legend says that Daniel, you remember Daniel in captivity, Daniel in Babylon, and then Babylon falls, and now he's working for Medo-Persia. He's working for the Persian Empire, and, and, and there he's still in the core of the Magi, uh, the wise men, and, and legend says that Daniel trained the Magi, and he was focused, the legend says, on training them how to see the coming of the Messiah, but then he worked with his inner circle to obscure how to actually read the stars. I don't know, Uh, but the legend says he gave them what they needed to know so that they didn't miss Christ and then obscured how to read the stars in that way moving forward. Uh, I don't know, I don't know, it's a legend, but I know this, it's a lost skill today. You can't read the stars and actually say what's happening next. I know what you're thinking, we'll talk about that in a second. God makes sure Right? I, can't, I can't read the stars and tell you what's happening next, not in that way. Uh, I do look at the stars and, and, I, and I hear what they're saying. They're driving me to know the person of the creator. Uh, I get that much and that's okay because God set me up with everything that I need to know. Second Peter chapter one verse, 20, uh, verse 19 says that I have a more sure word of prophecy and you do too. So. Because you have that sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. If you want to do well, you'll pay attention to your Bible. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart, in your hearts. Malachi 4 says he is the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings. But there's still much to see in the stars, okay? Even though we can't read them to see what's coming next, you can still see the gospel message very clearly in the stars 
And so let me just give you a plug for Living Faith Bible Institute. Uh, eventually we'll re-offer our Gospel in the Stars course. You'll wanna take that and get that information. It is amazing. You can, with a telescope, you can tell the story of the Gospel looking at the stars. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But I want you to know this. Everything that God does, Satan, he mimics, he copies, he counterfeits, doesn't he? Uh, God has a son, he has a Messiah, he has his prophets, and you see Satan, right? The, the, the God, God shows the mystery of godliness, Satan works the mystery of iniquity. Mystery of godliness is manifesting, the Bible says, God in the flesh. The mystery of iniquity is working to manifest Satan in the flesh. So God has a message from the stars. Well, guess what? Satan wants you to get a message from the stars too. And so if you didn't get anything else this morning, get this down. The devil counterfeits God's truth with astrology. Notice I didn't say astronomy. That's a different thing. That's a legitimate science. There is a study of the stars, but astrology, come on now. You've got a Bible, Genesis to Revelation. You have a more sure word of prophecy, but you're gonna listen to some hack from the Kansas City Star in some back section, where do they put the astrology, where do they put the astrology section, section in the star? Does anybody know? Everybody's like, don't answer, it's a trap. <laughs> it's all online, they don't actually print it anymore? Okay. So you're gonna go listen to some hack with some, some made up mumbo jumbo out of the pit of hell and you're gonna order the steps of your life because Virgo is in line with Sagittarius or what, I'm, I'm probably not saying that right, but I'm a, I'm a, what are you when you're a, a pig or a chicken or a monkey or a rooster? Come on, Renault, what? There's, there's names for this. Everybody's still like, don't answer, it's a trap. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius or I'm a, and then that lines up with some, monk, with some uh, Chinese calendar, monkey, cow, pig, chicken, lizard, dragon. I know I'm hacking, I just, I don't, I never wasted my time studying that junk, okay? Mumbo, let the whole church say mumbo jumbo. <laughs> uh, why would you follow that? Why would you follow that lie out of the pit of hell when you got a Bible? You say, give me some scripture. Okay, Jeremiah 10 verse two. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Ah, that's what the heathen do. Don't, don't, don't follow their example. Okay, let's move on. Second, why do we have these great lights in the firmament? Well, to give light on the earth. Okay, so don't, we, we've looked at this, but let's drill down since we're here. The picture is Christ as the son of righteousness. He is the light of the world. And that fulfills all the same functions that we've already talked about, okay? So Christ is the great light, but what you need to see as a Christian, as a Christian, a little Christ, we are to now be his lights in a dark world, right? We are his lights in the darkness of world, and what do we do? We're to do the same thing, we're to divide. Uh, we don't cause division unnecessarily in the lives of people. What are we dividing? Well, we're dividing righteousness from wickedness, good from evil. We're marking one thing from another, and our job is to give light. We're like the moon, okay? If Christ is the sun, then we're like the moon, and what does the moon do? Well, the Bible calls it a light, but does the light that the moon gives the earth, where is it sourced? The moon has no light in and of itself, it reflects the light of the sun, right? So also with the Christian, we're like the moon. We're to reflect the light of Jesus, the light of Christ. This is why the sun is called the greater light, and the greater light rules the day. So obviously, okay, we know that the text is talking about the fireball in the center of our solar system, but how did, how did Moses actually know that it was the greater of the two, because if you look at them in terms of size, they look the same size, don't they? The sun and the moon, at least from the observation point of Earth, the sun's very big, but it's very far away. The moon is very small, but it's very close. And when you look up in your sky, 
they look to be the same size. Uh, atmospheric conditions can warp that, but, but, but stereotypically what you're gonna see is two bodies exactly the same size. You think that's an accident or a coincidence? Somebody set that in place perfectly. Anytime you look at sci-fi and you see planetary bodies, they're all kinds of, it's always, if you'll notice, science fiction, it's always some massive, whether they're on, a, if it's Star Wars, I think you're always on a moon and you'll see the main gas giant or planetary body and that's massive in the, in the sky. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about, right? And then there'll be these little tiny moons and there's all different sizes. They're, they're, they're adding variation because that's their art. We look up in our sky and we see two identical, we see t- two identically sa- sized objects. And uh, I, you know, I don't know what all the pictures are there. You're, you're, you may be able to come up with better ones, but I, I like to think that that's because we're to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be like him. The problem is, is we don't have our own light, but we can reflect it. And whenever the moon is full on reflecting the light of the sun, it can be complete nighttime, and yet you can see very clearly one thing from another. We're to shine that light. That's why God gave us his word. We're to shine the light of Christ. We don't do it in and of ourselves. We do what God gives us. We do what God shows us. We shine the person of Christ. So how does Moses know that the sun is the greater, the larger of the two lights? Why did he say greater instead of greatest? That's what all the heathen nations around him believed. Well, God told him. Second Peter chapter one, verse 21 says that God gave his word to us. Here's how he did it. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so if we haven't been clear yet, let's get this down. The son is a type of Christ. Again, one of his names, son of righteousness, Malachi 4.2. Capital S-U-N, go ahead and throw that up on the screen. Or did I not put Malachi? Oh, I didn't put that cross-reference on the screen, okay. Malachi 4.2, the son of righteousness. So he rules the day. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna rule a day, isn't he? It's called the day of the Lord. It's the thousand year reign of Christ. But then the lesser light is to rule too, okay? So if the moon is a type of the church, Again, the church has no light of its own but reflects the light of Christ. The moon, if you look at it closely, it is all tore up. It's a big hot mess. It looks like it has gone through a battle, a war of unimaginable proportions, right? A a meteor shower has completely destroyed the surface of the moon and yet when it's reflecting the light of the sun, it's just so beautiful, isn't it? You ever looked at the man and the moon? You see that face and the moon, it's just shining so brightly. Uh, that is a beautiful picture of how God can take a sin-destroyed, pockmarked life and whenever the joy of the Lord is shining out of that life, it's just beautiful. If you're bold, you can kind of lean into your neighbor, neighbor and tell them um, it's beautiful to see Jesus in your life. And now we've started a war because some of you can't do it because you're sitting next to a jerk. (laughs) I'm joking. That was bad. I shouldn't have pointed that out. It's terrible. Matthew 5, 16, right? Since Christ is not here, he's at the right hand of the Father, our job is to rule the night. And it's, it's by reflecting the light of Christ. Jesus commands it, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. When people can't see God's truth, it's because they're blind. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Man, the sun of righteousness can shine on this planet through our witness, through our life, through our testimony. 
Verse seven says, but we have this treasure, this light, this, this witness of God in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Real briefly, let's talk about the relationship between the sun and the moon. Uh, sometimes you see a lunar eclipse, and that's where a lunar eclipse happens when the world comes between the sun and the moon, and it cuts off the light from the sun so that the moon cannot properly reflect it. Many times it'll give the moon a uh, orangish hue, a reddish hue. So a lunar eclipse pictures a worldly Christian. Why? Because the world is in the way of the sun. So we don't properly reflect the light of Christ. Lunar eclipse pictures a worldly Christian. Well, what about a solar eclipse? Well, a solar eclipse pictures the fleshly Christian. Right, somebody that's trying to live in their own power, they're not reflecting the light of Christ, they're blocking it. It's where the moon comes between the sun and the earth, and now the flesh of the moon is in the way of the light of Christ, the light of the sun shining on the earth. It blocks the sun's light from the world. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? If we get between the sun and the world, we block the light of Christ. Now, notice when you look at a solar eclipse, you still see the light, don't you? Just a lot of it's obscured, but there's no denying that the light is there. Well, God's glory is gonna shine even if God's people are in the way. Now, don't take that as an excuse so I can, you know, well, then I'll just live like hell and, and it'll all work out. Uh, no, remember 2017? We had that, we had that eclipse here, in, I think it was 2017, right? Wasn't that kind of a freak out? How many people watch that? I mean, it's just always, it freaks people out when they see a solar eclipse. Uh, is the world ending? <laughs> like something, you, you feel it on a primal level. Something is wrong. This is not, it's still cool and it looks awesome and you take pictures, but there's a part of you like, like uh, you know, there's a part of you that's like, I hope everything's gonna, like you're kind of relieved when the sun comes back, right? So this, you know the sun's shining, but, but it's, 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 it's not normal. Every time, right, every lunar period, you're gonna see the same thing. The sun comes up while the moon is disappearing. Well, that pictures the rapture of the church, right? The day of Christ comes, right, at the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord, comes after the rapture of the church. There are some times when you'll see both the sun and the moon they're both in the sky, shining brightly at the same time. Well, that'll picture the millennial reign of Christ. Um, you know, you see both in the sky, that's a picture of those who rule and reign with Christ in his kingdom. Either way, these great lights, they function to light the world. The lost should see. They're to rule over the day and rule over the night. So we are to reign with Christ. That is God's plan for his people. And they're also to divide the night from uh, the day, the light from the darkness. Okay, so now let's look at point number three, the stars. So in Genesis, this is day four. Um, let there be lights, okay? So he made two great lights, verse 16. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And then he just says, and. He made the stars also. No biggie. He made the stars also. Okay, that blows my mind. I mean, I read that and I think, wow. Talk about understatement. God is all about the understanding. Oh, by the way, those 200 to 400 billion galaxies that scientists project, now they say it might be two, to two, two trillion galaxies maybe. I mean, they just don't know how big the galaxy is and each galaxy is full of 200 plus billion suns with their several worlds, and I mean, oh, you know, I made the stars also. <laughs> the vastness of the cosmos in a little statement. He made the stars also. No bigs, no whoop, no big deal. Okay, so get this down in your notes. God is infinite. He is massive. I mean, you know, talk about scope. God is infinite. He is massive. And so also his creation. 
uh, you're looking at a video that's trying to give you just an example of the relative size of planet Earth to the rest of the cosmos. There's no comparison. We're beyond being a quark in a body, okay? We're, 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 we're smaller than an atom in the body of a universe. And in that universe, it's full of anywhere from 200 billion to two trillion galaxies, full of 200 billion stars, and the Bible says that God named every star. Do you get how big your brain has to be to hold that many names? If if your brain tried to hold all the names of the stars in just the Milky Way, uh, it would blow your head right off your shoulders, man. I mean, you can't do it. Psalms 147 verse four, and not, he named every star, not to mention creating them from nothing with his voice. Psalms 147 verse four, he, count, he telleth, in other words, he counts, right? He telleth, he counteth the number of the stars. He calleth them by all, uh, he calleth them all by their names. Okay, that's big brain right there. Now we've got the names for over 100 stars that go so far back into antiquity that no one can say what the origin of those names are, yet some of those names are in our Bible. Uh, in Job 38, you'll see the Pleiades, Orion, uh, in your Bible. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll see some names. Now, Jewish tradition, this is again legend, Jewish tradition says that all of the data for the names that we have, that came from Adam, who got his information from God. Uh, Adam knew it was the Milky Way because God told him. That's Jewish tradition. Now, notice this. Angels in your Bible are also called stars, and I give you the cross-references for that. Um, the Revelation 12 is one of the famous ones uh, where Satan is drawing away one-third of the celestial host in his rebellion, and, it's, and they're pictured as stars. Los Angeles, right, the city of the angels. Uh, this is where Hollywood is. It's also called the city of the stars. We, we, we kind of use that same slang in, in some ways. So the celestial being, he is called an angel. He is called a star, and we'll see this later, but he's also called a son of God, the sons of God, uh, the celestial host. And we'll see that connection uh, clearly when we get to Genesis chapter six. But I don't want you to miss this morning the symbolism here in this passage. They, the angels, right, as sons of God, and we'll see why, we'll see why there's this connection. They're called sons of God, we also are called sons of God. So symbolically, right, the symbol, the picture is New Testament, born again, sons of God, are to individually light in the darkness. We're lighting the darkness. Uh, The moon pictures us as believers collectively, but but the stars picture us as believers individually. Philippians 2.15 says that we're to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine, 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 shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it. That was a weak ending, but there it is, okay. We're, the light of Christ should shine out of our life. Why? Because we're sons of God. That's why. We're to be the blameless and harmless sons of God without rebuke. The life of Christ should be evident in us in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. This is a dark place that we live, and so we need to shine the light of Christ in this world. One last thing, we're out of time, but I'm, I don't want you to miss this last picture. A lot of pictures in Genesis, man. It's good to get them all. I want you to see the implications of the fourth day. Okay, don't miss the picture. Uh, The sun, S-U-N, is made four days after this reconstruction, after this creation sequence begins. And you'll remember, remember the key to prophetic timing. Uh, The one that we use all the time is 2 Peter 3, 8. 
Don't be ignorant. Again, the context here in Romans or in Peter, 2 Peter 3, is you need to know prophecy. You need to understand prophecy. That's the context. And so, do not be ignorant, the Bible says, of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And it is zero coincidence that the day of the Lord is how many years? A thousand years. Why? Because to God, that thousand years is as one day. Okay, the other reference in the Old Testament, you can't miss it, you could understand prophecy in the Old Testament. Psalms 90 verse four says, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So a thousand years is as a day, a day is as a thousand years. And so, think about the sun appearing on day four. Now, again, this is legend, but Jewish tradition, and if you follow Usher's chronology, you're gonna see that it's right on. As you look at the, 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 the time frames in your Bible, Usher did the hard work of laying it all out, and he puts creation at 4004 BC. And that's what, that's what Jewish tradition says. Jewish tradition says that the earth was created on Wednesday morning, September 20th, 404, 4004 rather, BC at 9 a.m. <laughs> that's what it says. Okay, so that's the beginning of creation. Four days later, who shows up? The sun, right? Let there be this greater light in the sky to rule the day, that's the sun, S-U-N. Okay, so after creation, let's just fast forward four days. If creation starts at 4004 BC, uh, when did Christ show up? A lot of people will put it anywhere from two to four BC. He shows up on the fourth day, doesn't he? Uh, four days later, Matthew 17, verse one, look who showed up. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. Do you think that God put that in your Bible because he thought it would be cool for you to see that, to hear, I mean, yes, but also it's there so that you can't miss the picture. It's day four, you all. It's day four, don't miss that the sun is shining. Incredible picture. This, by the way, was at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and if we ever do a prophecy series, we'll lay all that out, but, but, but here's what I want us to get this morning. I don't want us to miss this. Uh, God marks the time of his creation, and on day four, he's marking the time of the birth of Christ. Don't miss that the sun is gonna show up on day four. I kind of cheekily said that, that he made the sun so that a radish would have what it needs. And there's a point to that, but the ultimate point is, is that you wouldn't miss the picture. The radish can show up on day three because life comes at resurrection. You needed that picture, so he did it that way. But the sun comes on day four. And that's what happened. In the fourth millennium, Christ, came to be born of a virgin. So God marks the birth of Christ. But get this, God's also marking the time of his second coming, and we'll look at that in Genesis chapter two. All of this is laid out in the creative week. God's telling you what time Jesus will return. Now Jesus said it this way to his disciples in Mark 13. Of that day, this day of the coming of Christ, of the end, right, the prophetic end, okay, of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father, only the Father knows. But he still makes sure that you can see it coming, and this is why you need to know your Bible, okay, you don't want to play at this thing, you need to know the word of God, because First Thessalonians, again, verse 5, says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. I may not know the day or the hour, but I can tell it's about time for the sun to arise with healing in his wings. I know the coming of Christ, it's right around the corner. We're living in the last of the last days. So this is the question on the floor this morning. Because there's so much to be done before Christ's coming church, we have so much work to do. Has he come back for us for the rapture yet? No, we're here. That means we get more time to do more work. Let's do it. We have work to do. Are you a good moon? 
are you, are you mooning people properly in Jesus' name, right? Are you a good moon? Do you shine the light of Christ? Okay, for the record, because there's always that one ding dong. Look, pastor told me to start mooning people. That is not what I'm saying, okay? Are you shining? <laughs> I lost y'all. This is supposed to be an altar call, and it's over. Bow your heads. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. How many would say, Pastor, in all seriousness, would you pray for me because I'm not shining the light of Christ? Uh, it's not right. Something's wrong. I am not shining the light of Christ, and I and I know, who it, I know who it is, I know what it is. I've got a relationship that's not honoring God or I've got a situation. I, I've got something. I'm like that fleshly, I'm like that solar eclipse, right? This moon is in the way of the sun and people can't see the light of Christ. Pastor, would you pray for me? This needs to get right, let me see your hands. Okay, so there's a few, there's, okay, there's several. And I'll pray for you. Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, please, would you pray for me? I don't know that I have Christ in my life. I think the reason Christ is not shining is because I don't know him yet. I'm not, I've not yet been born again. Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hands? We're only gonna wait a moment, but if you need prayer, yes, ma'am. Is there anybody else? Pastor, please, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm born again. I don't know that I have Christ in my life. Please pray for me. Okay, I'm, I'm asking, okay, until you're dismissed, please, nobody leave, nobody moving around. Some of our elders need to come forward so we can receive people that, that need prayer or need counsel, but that's it, okay? Uh, let's take care of business with God. Today is a day where we can say, I'm done with the excuses. I'm done with the reasons for why I can't submit my life to Christ, where I can't say for me to live as Christ. I'm done with those excuses. I'm gonna humble myself before God. I'm gonna draw near to him. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see God have his way with my life. I'm gonna pray and then you have a decision to make. This is time for your response, okay? Father, you see all of the hands. There are people saying that, that, that here's something that needs to change in my life. God, so there's an acknowledging, right? We see. Uh, Lord, please, help. <laughs> we don't wanna be like that guy that the Apostle James describes who we see in the mirror and then we walk away and we forget. And nothing changes. Lord, if you're showing us what needs to change, then Lord, those changes need to take place. And so, God, a lot of these changes we can't produce in and of ourselves. All we can do is come and humble ourselves before you and request, um, Lord, to ask. There are things that we can repent of. There are things that we can walk away from. And so, Lord, I pray for your grace. There are some people that need to break up and, and end a relationship that's mocking you, that's rebelling against your word, and that's grieving your heart. Lord, let today be the last day we're breaking your heart. And that for us to leave here, we would say for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. That moving forward, it's all about knowing you. Uh, Lord, for, my, for, for, for uh, my brothers and my sisters, God, please have your way. Um, you're worthy, you're worth being right with. Help us to be done with all the reasons for why we can't submit to you. And then for the lady that raised her hand and for, and the, and for those that couldn't, uh, that, that we don't know, right? They just don't know that they're born again, that they're on their way to heaven, that they have a right relationship with you, Father, through Christ. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, have your way with us right now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.